Today on The Jewel Show, Amy Washington shares how a homeschool gal with a freshly printed marketing degree from UGA came to run a home for unwed teen moms in Uganda. Amy! Okay, yes. I mean, seriously, how long has it been? Too long. Let's put it that way. It's been too, too long. long. I mean, yes. I, I was just trying to think through. I think the last time I saw you, it was three years ago? Was it really? It was. Well, that's sad. <laughs> I know. Well, you... <laughs> You're kind of a couple of miles away from me in Uganda. It is. It so it's is. not it's like we can go get distance. coffee or anything like that. Sadly, no. <laughs> I mean, I see your family around town, but I don't see you. Yes. And so um, uh, you're in the States for, what, a month or so? About a month. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I, I got the wind, first of all, you didn't give me a call and give me a heads up. <laughs> right. Well, we didn't I'm letting know. It go. I'm letting it go, Amy. So, so I said, um, oh, Amy's in town. I was like, what now? Like, Amy has not called me. No. <laughs> and so I, then I hunted you down. Um, uh, because whenever you come into the States, like, I want to hear... An Amy Washington update. Well, thank you. Well, I made no schedule, no plans whatsoever until I got through customs in America because we didn't know if we'd make it out of Uganda until we actually like landed here. Sure. We had to have, um, you know, clearance, COVID tests, 24 hours. I only got those 24 hours before I flew out of Uganda. They wouldn't let us leave the country without them. Did not know if me and yes. my children were going to land. So yeah. that is why. Some what of that. I, here's what, I, here's no what I love about you, Amy. And um, <laughs> listen, you're going to get to know Amy a little bit more. I know we jumped right into um, this this episode, um, but what I love about you is that you have your priorities because I know you were getting your hair done, you know, and you squeezed <laughs> in a sit down chat in my backyard. So I love it. I'm like, you're thank you. You you were running a ministry in Uganda, um, helping people, sharing the love of God. But you know what? You got to still you got to get your roots done, my friend. You, you still do. got to. You, do. you still yeah. got to look good. <laughs> thank you. Yep. Okay. So let me know five things that um, somebody might not know about you that are different and unique for listeners. Give me the top five things about Amy Washington. Oh, goodness. Um, Made you think. Okay. I mean, first thing is I have nine children. I mean, that's just. That's a big one. It is. It's it's different. People find that different. That is. Um, What's your age ranges from uh, the youngest to the oldest? Youngest just turned one and my oldest is 12. So nine kids yes. from the ages of one to twelve. One to twelve. That's yeah. a fun fact. Give me yes. right, one fun right, second fun fact. Um, I, I homeschool them as well in Uganda. That's the fun. Um, That's a big one. Grew, yeah, grew up on a, a farm. Grew up. Grew up on a farm here on in, in Georgia County. In, in Georgia Oconee County. Yep, okay. As a farm girl before I moved halfway around the world to Africa. <laughs> so a, um, a big jump. Yes. 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 Um, I was homeschooled. All the way up school? until I went to UGA, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep, all through growing up and everything. So kind of transition. That was pretty easy to homeschool my children. Um, and fun fact. fun fact number five. Um, Do you have a stupid human trick? Anything? Sadly, no. You roll your tongue? No. Okay. Um, we'll I, don't, it with I don't like peanut butter. I was allergic to it all growing up, so I don't eat peanut you butter. You don't that eat peanut butter. Isn't that weird? Okay, so and that's not a fun fact necessarily. Amy it's Washington, weird. everybody. Yes, weird. The next guest yes. of the Jewel Show. <laughs> Here you go. Okay, so um, uh, we're going to get into Kupendra Ministries. It is amazing where you're helping women um, all the way in Uganda, living there with your nine kids. Uh, but I want to rewind a little bit. How did a girl in Georgia end up to be all the way in Uganda? Um, I grew went, up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. Yes, mm-hmm. Christian, godly parents, godly heritage, for which I'm very blessed and very thankful. 
Um, and went so off, went to college. Went to college. Yep, mm-hmm. homeschool. Went to college. Went to UGA. Uh, graduated with a bachelor's in business administration, marketing. What was your and plan at that point? At that point, um, I worked for my family farm. You know, all growing up and through college and stuff. So thought I might do that. Uh, looked into several other options in business. Um, was working at Chick Fil A at the time, and uh, loving that. Didn't know where that might go, so didn't really know. I'd been on several short-term mission trips uh, with my family, with my church, my college department, those kind of things. Um, but it wasn't until after I graduated. It was the summer after I graduated uh, in 2009 that I went for six weeks to Uganda. A friend called me, um, and she was a elementary school teacher at the time, and so she had summers off. And uh, so she was like, "Hey, I want to do something this summer. Want to go somewhere? I want to go to Africa." And I said, Africa, you want to go to Africa? I mean, Africa is a continent. It's not a country. <laughs> Where are we going in Africa? I mean, that's a large continent. Where do you want to go? And she, I don't know where I want to go. I just want to go somewhere. So I said, okay, we, you find a place. And basically, I just followed her to Uganda. And so God seemed to just open the door for there. And I went with her for six weeks in the and summer what did you do those of six 2009. Weeks? I worked at a baby orphanage and a children's home there. Um, and she had found them just online through some connections and so went there. And like I said, I'd been on mission trips before, um, loved serving the Lord, loved the opportunities that mission trips provide, being able to share the gospel, meet new people, see their cultures and, um, connect with believers all around the world. Uh, but no place had ever grabbed me like Uganda did. So it was six weeks and it completely changed your life. It did. It did. My heart um, and mind, just soul, were completely just transformed. And the, I fell in love with Uganda, fell in love with the people there and the children and the need. And um, knew that basically God was calling me there. He just did a total transforming work in, in me through those six weeks. And I came back completely changed. Um, had a hard time coming back <laughs> at that point. And so six months later, I went back for another two months. I just couldn't stay away. And then six months later, I moved there. What <laughs> so was it, it like was for your parents? Because they thought you were going to come help out yes, at the family farm. They did. Yes, they did. It was a surprise. Um, I, I'm a homebody. There's another thing. I'm a big homebody. I, uh, I never wanted to live more than five miles away from my parents. Well, you, just your five, give or take. A million, couple right, million, right, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just right, a few more, a yeah, few right. more. Um, I lived at home when I went to college. I, <laughs> I had commuted, and uh, so love being home, love being with my family, and so it was. It was a shock. They did not expect that from me. They knew I'd, you know, been overseas, loved missions, that kind of thing. But um, for me to say I was ready to move there, they knew it had to be God's call because this was not Amy there, Washington. <laughs> but start a ministry there. Yes, and you yes. were early twenties. Yes. At the time, yes. Can I can I ask you now how many how how long ago that was for you? I, I've been there ten years. Okay. Yes, because I went in the summer of 2010, so it just made ten years actually since I technically moved to Uganda. And um, uh, at the time, I was still trying to figure out where the need was, where God wanted me, what He wanted me to do. I was still working with the baby orphanage at the time, and um, as I was working there, we had people bringing in infant babies, newborn babies all the time because it was a baby orphanage. And so when the people would bring them to the door, I started asking, uh, where's the mother? You know, what happened to the mother? What happened to the family? Why are these babies being brought there? And uh, I started hearing the answer, the mother died in childbirth. And the mother died in childbirth. The mother died in childbirth just over and over again like a broken record. And then I started doing, you know, asking a follow-up question, well, how old were these mothers and I started hearing answers that shocked me if they were 16 they were 14 they were 15 years old and I just realized the need of these young teenage girls that were getting pregnant and not 
um, surviving childbirth and, and why were they not surviving orphan childbirth? Child. There's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there's a lot of factors, <laughs> starting with the poverty, you know, and starting with um, the lack of resources, you know, and not having the the means or the income to get to quality medical care, those kind of things. Uh, another, you know, thing is malnutrition. Many of these girls are malnourished themselves, so when they try to give birth and they're trying to, you know, grow a child inside of them, they're malnourished themselves. I've had so many, so many teenage girls come to my doorstep. I look at them like, honey, you're malnourished yourself. You know, you need so much nutrition. Support Your life. child has to, you know, be malnourished also. This is just not a good situation. So throw that on top of it. They need vitamins and, and that kind of thing. Um, Another uh, issue that I've learned just as I've delved into this and, you know, this has kind of become my life is that oftentimes when uh, teenage girls get pregnant, if they're in school at the time, uh, most of the time they're expelled from school for getting pregnant. They're not allowed to stay in school. And so the girls go back home. Their parents are extremely disappointed. They're ashamed. They're embarrassed. Their teenage daughter's gotten pregnant. Now she's expelled from school. The family's humiliated. Parents get upset and they throw their daughters out of the house and say, you're not allowed to live here anymore. So teenage pregnant girl is thrown out of the house, living on the streets. I've had girls living in trees. I've had girls living in dump heaps just on the streets. And so I find them in this condition and it just increases the danger and makes these girls more at risk for maternal and infant mortality and childbirth. And then you had to get through a lot of uh, education about sanitation and oh, yes hygiene the bir- yeah the birthing yes. i remember like you've told me about birthing kits in the past absolutely yes yes and we do we provide birthing kits uh, explain that what why sure. what is a birthing kit and sure why do, why do they need it sure it's it's a it's a small little medical kit that has um large rolls of cotton in it uh your medical gloves and um razor blade and a string of you know sanitation sanitary hygiene a string to tie off the umbilical cord and just all those things that you need um to to give birth pretty much wherever you are because they want this kit to be able to be used in a mud hut in a rural village far from medical care or any kind of health facility uh, and still have the mother and baby have every opportunity to survive so uh, when we go into the communities with our yeah, what are they doing before you give them the birthing kit what is their means plan um most of the time they don't have you know transportation to a medical facility so they're gonna give birth at home with probably some uh, woman in the village who's given birth with whatever um you know knives or boiled water and dirty pots over charcoal stove outside in their mud hut with whatever you know they have Infection. exactly exactly and I remember, um, the risk goes up tremendously well and amy because i've had the privilege to talk to you many times um, and and learn more and more about this ministry and the needs i know it was a lot of education for me and that you said that um the culture in uganda is that um if if they, they touch you and that person dies. Like it's like a transfer of right. So, so they're they're not going to touch a woman. Very dangerous, exactly. So there is that risk that they won't even find anyone that is able to help them. I have talked to numerous women. I cannot tell you how many women have given birth by themselves because completely you, by what themselves. What is a mindset if you, if you touch someone that's going into labor and they die? And they then... die, right? Well, it's just easy for it to look like that person is to blame, and so because of the witchcraft that is very prevalent and other things, you do not know what the other family members of the dead mother might do to the person that was just trying to help or assist so that has happened many times just dangerous things and spells and voodoo yes Uh yes spells those kind of things yes and so So people are extra careful let's just put it that way yeah so so a woman who maybe could just get a little bit of medical attention maybe just a little bit of care is left 
untouched, uh, where infection can just breed. So you were in your early 20s. You started asking these women or these people, oh, what happened to the mother? Right. You then learned that there was a lot of things that's happened culturally, medically, sanitation, poverty. What does a 20-year-old do? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking when yes. I was in my early 20s, right. like I was learning how to pay my utility bill, right. you know, and right. I, I was learning things about taxes. Right. And I was like, what? And, and so, I just graduated. I mean, because yes. you just graduate, you're trying to start off in yes. your you know, so-called real world. I was world. trying not to like mix my, my whites and my colors right. together when I was doing laundry. Exactly. So you started a uh, ministry yes. all the way in Uganda mm-hmm. to stop all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, how? But God, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of... Um, I was very overwhelmed. I will not sit here and say it was not overwhelming. It was extremely overwhelming. And that just, again, brought me more to my knees and more to God and basically saying, you're going to have to do this because it's not going to be me. I'm a business major. I'm not even medical. This is not my field of expertise. There's so many other people that I felt like would be so much more qualified. And God said, I'm going to use you to do this. And he did. And so founded Cubendo Ministries um, in 2012, January of 2012. At that point, and uh, we started focusing on the teenage moms because there was not much being done to help them at that time. And so that's where my heart really was, realizing these moms were so young. And so um, opened up a maternity home for teenage moms to help with crisis pregnancy situations. And I just started taking girls into my home at that point until we could you know, grow from there. And so whew, God's brought us so far <laughs> up to today. But um, at the time, yep, that's that's what I started doing. And just little by little, one girl at a time. I mean, it's just one mom, one girl at a time. And it's just who God places in front of us and the need he places in front of us. You know, those are the ones we can't help everyone. I mean, the it can be very overwhelming when you look at the statistics and the numbers and all of that, but we help the one that God places in front of us and then help the next one and the next one, and it's multiplied. Right next, what was it the next right thing? <laughs> yes, the next right thing. Next exactly. Right thing. Yes, you do. You do. And uh, you thank God for each mother and baby. But you know, the he, next mother he and baby. called the young girl from, like, Georgia. I mean, you know, <laughs> yes. but because, so that he could get he the glory. Because yes. if you look back now and you think about what you were like in your early 20s. Yes. <laughs> Starting a nonprofit yes. um, that had a statewide, uh, it still does, has a statewide presence and support. Um, how did that all work out? Talk about your sister and how she works here stateside and, and supports you. She does. So my family, I mean, I would not be there still today if not for my family and my friends and the support that I've had from so many people in the States because um, it's difficult. I mean, as you know, not only just starting a ministry, but living in a completely different country and moving internationally and living in a different culture. And now raising nine children. Do you want me to add that in there? Right. Homeschooling them. Okay, keep going. Right. So it was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And uh, so I need the support. And so I'm so thankful God has provided that and that has enabled me to stay so long so many people aren't able to do that um and so i'm just thankful that i've been able to stay this long and see god continue to grow the ministry and uh part of that is because my sister she came on board she's two years younger than i am and uh she jumped on board she has a completely different skill set than i do and so because we've been able to work together and both do different things so she runs the organization from the states and manages the fundraising and the websites and all the media and all that kind of stuff here so that we are able to do what we are on ground over there otherwise it would not be possible so yes so it's amazing how all of it's just work together and come together she travels back and forth my family travels back and forth you know as often as they can to come visit can i just say deanna (laughs) also is in her 20s yes well yes now she's in her 30s oh oh. 
Sorry, some things have changed. Yes, I haven't seen have. you in a couple Jenny's years. A long time, yes. I'm still picturing Deanna, like, you know. Yes, yes. No, she so, is. And um, so my nine kids, and now she's adopting. Yes, so she's a Yes, she is. I did see that. She I is. did see that. Yep, okay, boy. so whenever, which has been in a couple of years, but whenever I do see you and I'm able to grab you, slow you down for like two seconds, because I know like you hit the ground running when you get here to the stage. You got parents and family, everyone's grabbing at you. Yeah. Um, and you got to get your roots done. So, right. I mean, right. Yeah. But um, I always ask, ask you tell me a story and you always like okay which one do I pick so tell me a story I I love to hear how um, God is using this ministry in the lives of these young moms who come to your door hopeless um well we have um one little girl uh you day and uh, she came into our home last year. My staff members met her in one of the villages that we worked in. And um, she was 11 years old at the time, 12. I forget when she came in to the home. And um, she had been raped and was living with her grandmother. And in extreme, extreme poverty. Um, and when I went and visited the home, my heart just broke for her. And I am thankful that no matter how many girls... I help and how much poverty I see and desperation that I work with over there and how many stories I do go through uh, that still breaks my heart and it still touches me. Um, And I don't ever want to get to the place where it doesn't, you know, I don't want to become hard and used to it, you know, per se. And I visited her home and um, she was a scared little girl, very scared, very overwhelmed at knowing what was going to happen to her, had absolutely no hope of any medical care at all, um, did not have a birth kit. Her grandmother had nothing. They were fortunate to eat one meal a day, you know, and um, most of the time that was just you know, greens that they would find you know, on the side of the road and, and that kind of thing. So just that kind of poverty. And uh, so we, we brought her into the home and... Um, she had never heard about Jesus Christ and never heard his name. And so um, when we bring our girls in the home, we tell them, you know, we're a uh, Jesus-following, Bible-believing Christian organization. And um, we, we take any any um, religion whatsoever. Uh, girls, we have Muslim girls in our home. We have Christian girls. We have some that have never heard anything. And so, But they come to our home knowing we're going to do devotions and Bible studies, and they're going to hear that, at least be exposed to it with no pressure. Um but as she was there and as she heard about the love of Jesus and uh, was surrounded by girls that um, read the Bible and she was involved in worship and praise and uh, Bible teaching and devotions and everything, um, God began softening her heart and working on her. And um, a few months after coming into our home, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And uh, oh, I was so thankful to be there to witness that as this little girl sat there just weeping, you know, knowing what she was being forgiven of and um, because... She, during this process of, of her salvation stuff, she sat there and talked to me. She said, um, God's forgiven me for all the wrong things I've done. And I know, even though I don't want to, I know I have to forgive the man who raped me. And it was powerful, man. She just sat there with tears just streaming on her face. And I have to forgive. And I know that's what God's telling me to do. And I want to do that. And that was just the biggest step for her after her salvation was knowing that forgiveness. And as I sat there and watched her, you know, pray and, and say that she forgave, 
and for all that she was going to have to live through and had lived through and the nightmares and the trauma and everything that she'd been through um, after she forgave, watching the peace over the next few weeks and months and just how God just transformed her heart after the salvation, after the forgiveness. It was amazing. And it is such a privilege for me to get to witness that miracle because it is a miracle. It's a miracle of salvation. You know, it is the miracle of transforming Transform, a yeah. heart, a transformed life. It is. And I don't ever want to lose that, the fact and the, the awe and the awesomeness of that miracle. And so getting to watch her do that and and um, so as she was in our home, she uh, only uh, had a kindergarten level education before she came into the maternity home. She could barely write her name, didn't know one plus one, that kind of level education at 11, 12 years old. And so we do full academic education in our home as well as vocational education. So she was able to learn hairdressing and sewing and tailoring and knitting and all these skills she never had, never dreamed she would have with the poverty level that she was in with her grandmother. And, um, and then academically was able to learn and, uh, was, oh man, I think she cried the day she could write her name and brought it down to me to show me specifically. She left class and wanted me to see that, that she wanted to write wow. her name. And, uh, it just gives me chills, you yeah. know, talking about it sure. and just the excitement they have for learning and the, the appreciation that they have future. for the help. The future, uh, is now bright. That's what they say in their testimonies. You know, I now have a bright future. That's what I wanted, you know, was to have that. And so, um, then she ended up, um, going into labor and we took her to the hospital and she was at a you know, wonderful hospital we have there and we take the girls to, and, uh, she sat there afterwards, just thanking me with tears in her eyes baby for a girl, baby a boy say, girl okay. girl yeah. girl baby did i say that right girl <laughs> right. baby okay yeah little baby girl. girl baby little girl yes and um and she because she said she sat there you know after the birth and said i didn't want my baby i didn't want my child you know, I didn't want her. I hated the child. I hated the pregnancy before I came into the home. There was because of what it represented. Because of what it represented. Exactly. This was nothing I wanted. This was nothing I planned. This just reminded me of my trauma, my past. Exactly. And so she sat there um, with her baby girl there on the hospital bed after she gave birth. And she said, because of what God has done for me and because I've been able to forgive, I can see that my baby girl is precious and I love her and I want her now. And, um, ah. How old is, is the mama? She's 12 now, 13 now. Yeah, she came last year. She's 12 and a half, almost 13. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so just young little girl. And that just, again, reminds me why we do what we do. Yeah. It's, it is taking it, like you said, it's taking it story by story. It's life by life. We can house 30 girls at a time with their babies. And we help so many hundreds, thousands of women in Uganda, you know, every year. But it is important to look at the individual stories and the individual lives that God is changing and the work he is doing through helping meet their physical needs in a time of desperation in their lives, a time of crisis, helping meet those physical needs so that God can open the door of their hearts and their souls to meet their spiritual needs. Well, and Amy, just what comes to my mind is the um, you helped this one girl, but the, the generation ramifications yes, yes the ripple Absolutely. effect because yes. it wasn't yes. just a 13 year old mama now no. it's the baby yes and it's the, the grandmother grandma. yes. yes and it's the community and it's amazing i mean again 10 years now the in the beginning i had no idea uh what it was going to be like i mean i never went to maternity home i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> you know at the beginning step by step in faith again but, not <laughs> medically trained no, like nothing not, not even helping women give birth I didn't like, even know how to start an organization 
organization. What do you do to found an organization? Yeah, I mean, what now? Learning. <laughs> um, but now being able to look back over 10 years and see those ripple effects. In the beginning, you just hope they're going to be there. And you pray God's going to multiply the work. But 10 years later, you can actually look there, look and see what God has done. And, yeah. and the way he's multiplied all over the country. And I hear of people, because the girls in my home, I mean, after they accept Christ... Um, some people think they might want to stay, you know, in the home because it's, it's so good. Safe. They're getting it's safe and mm. they're getting education. And they're getting all this. But it is amazing how many of my girls come up to me and say, listen, I want to go back home. I want to go back to my community. I want to tell them about Jesus. They need to know. I want to go share the gospel with them. And they are ready to go back. I mean, they that are. That is interesting, <laughs> Amy, because I really would have thought it had been like a stick of dynamite to get them out of there. Right. Exactly. But it's not A it. lot of people You gave them the like skill a, sets. Yes. You've gave them the the abilities yes, to write their name exactly and, and now with their with the vocational education exactly they can go back in their communities and we provide them with capital you know either to start their own business or whether they want to go back to school we help you know send them back to school or some of them just go get jobs and then they're ready to thrive as single teenage mothers that's our goal you know we want them to be ready to support their children as as single teenage moms and um, be able to support their families and go back and be an asset you know so many of them were kicked out of their homes disappointed parents but when their parents come to the home for um, family counseling and through our reunification program that we do at our maternity home. By the time they go back, I mean, their families want them back. They see what an asset they are. They see how valuable they are, you know, after being in our home. (laughs) young women that were shamed because most of them were teen pregnancy for them families to say, come back. Yep. That's huge. Many of them are suicidal at the time because their lives, in their opinion, are over. They've been told they're worthless. They've been told they've ruined their lives and they have no future. And so we just, there's so many aspects, you know, of, of what we do, where these girls are when they come to us. Yeah. Um, well, and so. excuse the um, <laughs> the airplane traffic, you know, it's the Corona time. Yeah. We're outside yep. and uh, social distancing being safe. So, yes. yes. Thank you for keep on talking when there's a gigantic You're airline. so welcome. Hopefully, hopefully you could hear us. I, are, no, I had you. I had you. I just are, had to explain to people who are listening at home. I was like, what? Yeah, that's what? fine. We're what just is, thankful those airplanes are running and yeah, I could get going? here. <laughs> Yeah, so right. I am thankful for That's them. right. That's right. All right. Yeah. Well, I just had to explain, do a little bit of behind the scenes tour uh, for the listeners are like, what is happening to Amy and Jules? Yeah. Airline, we're yeah. safe. There's no gigantic engine that's like barreling down on us. Back with more of the Jules Show podcast coming up in 30 seconds. The latest edition of the Finding Joy podcast is available now, but if you subscribe, you probably already knew that. Now, on this episode, we meet author and former patrol officer Joy Burnham, whose life was forever changed when she was shot in the line of duty. Also on this episode, it's Rob's turn on a round of Will It Burrito. Check out the Finding Joy podcast anywhere you subscribe to find podcasts at thejoyfm.com and on the Joy FM Georgia mobile app. You know what I love is that there was a young girl in her 20s that just did the right next thing. And now you can look back 10 years and say the faithfulness of God. And so it's so encouraging for somebody that's listening that says, okay, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but I'm too young. I'm too old. Let me get X, Y, or Z um, in line. Let me do this and that. Um, Then, God, I will. Which I always tell my kids, you know, partial obedience is still disobedience. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes that's what we want to do. We're like, well, partially obey (laughs) you, God. Right. Um, But that's still disobedience. Right. Even delaying. I mean, if he says now and he say not now. Exactly. I mean, think of the ramifications that, you know, that would have happened if I had said not now or, you know, not that. 
and you know it, it was kind of a stigma kind of almost back in the day growing up that every it was kind of a joke almost in the christian community it was you know god i'll go anywhere but just not africa i mean africa had such a, a stigma such a uh, you know people just knew oh my goodness it's africa you know it can be or unsafe let, it's dangerous it's or, a you know i mean as a as a as a a Christian woman, um, there's a, a stigma oh. too of, um, well, let me get married. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes. I heard that several times before. Because you're not married. You, you're no, doing you're this all by I yourself. Still like, single, yes. Yeah, still single. <laughs> I am. But there is. Like, life will start when I get married. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put a pause on my life right. and all these big de- decisions. Until then. Until then. And then, then that could have been another excuse then. that you gave God. Exactly. Yes. It could have. It could have. But. Um, oh, he so broke me of myself and he so changed me. I could not come back to the States and live the same. I could not. I cried uh, every day when I came back from that second trip to Uganda, uh, knowing this was not where I was supposed to be. I was that miserable. It basically took God making me that miserable here to where I knew I was not where I was supposed to be. And I need like to Jonah get back in, the, in the, the the belly of the whale, right? right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. The, and it was that big of a deal. This is not Amy Washington. She would not move to Africa yeah. and leave here. That was just so not me. Uh, that we just knew it was God. Everybody mm. around me just kept family and friends said, "Nope, we know this is where you're supposed to be, and you are Affirmation. supposed to go." Yes. Mm. Uh huh. And it it took a lot of that. There were a lot of lot of factors, a lot of factors that God uses. He uses our circumstances. He uses the word. You know, he uses so many things to speak to us and call us. And uh, God, people in your life. All of that. Listen exactly. to them. Right. Amen. <laughs> you need them, and uh, the more the better. You know. And if you more, don't have them, I mean, there have oh. been times in my life when I ask God, bring me somebody. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and cling to those people that that are godly and seeking His will, and um, daily in the Word and praying to Him that can give you correct wisdom and advice mm-hmm. because He will use it, and you will need that throughout your life and throughout my entire journey. Oh my goodness, He has used so many people. Community. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Well, because I mean, we already talked shown it earlier that this could not happen without stateside support no and no. you would not still be right. there without no, your stateside no, support absolutely not all right so no. let's talk about we talked about the past 10 years let's talk about the future when you start to dream about the ministry about um uganda what is the dream that god's putting on your heart well um at the moment we have two maternity homes so we started with one we have two there uh we just last year built an education center and uh, staff housing because we were doing all of our education academically and vocationally in the homes um just at the dining room tables and stuff and we have just grown so much and continue to grow that um we just finally built that that was an answer to prayer what god provided and uh, so so we're looking we're looking as as to the to the next big thing um right now the first maternity home was on the ground uh when we bought the land we're on right now we have 20 acres and so we've been able to develop and we're very thankful for that um and so we are in the process of needing to uh, renovate and repair that maternity home because it was so small the ugandan family that owned the land when we first bought it had the house so we just finished it and stuff so we're trying to do that and make room you know to house more girls on the on the compound and in the homes um, because we keep getting calls from further and further away. I mean, we're getting girls from 12, 13 hours away because there just aren't other maternity homes and programs doing what we're doing. Right, and the roads aren't, and so, when you say 12, 13 hours away, you don't think right. the interstate. <laughs> right, no. Don't think no, no, I-85. No. Yes. Like, it's not, not the same. Many, many potholes. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so we, we are. We're um, constantly um, doing that. We're looking to expand 
uh, land around us and expand our gardening capabilities. We also have a, a sustainability program there. So we grow a lot of our own food and raise our own chickens and goats and pigs and a lot of those kind of things, both um, for the ministry and then as an income generating sustainability program. So we do that there. And as we grow on the land, we are needing more land to continue those sustainability projects. So we are looking to purchase more land um, surrounding the compound we already have yes and so because we keep growing the need keeps growing like that so that's that's the next thing we're looking at is expanding to the lands around us yes when yep. you see the need because the need is great it's always growing and you say it's you know now these girls are contacting you from even further, further away yes yes how do you not get overwhelmed Oh, um, much prayer, <laughs> much prayer and realizing that I am not the one in control. God is, and they're in his hands, uh, because we get calls daily, daily. And, um, people ask, so what do you do when the homes are full? <laughs> you know, when you already have that number, um, and so we do what we can because we, we sponsor hundreds more women in the villages and communities than what we can bring in. The girls we bring into our home are the ones that are in unsafe home situations themselves or living on the streets those kind of things so if we see another teenage girl that is in poverty needs help is a high at-risk case uh, for maternal infant, infant mortality during childbirth we provide transportation to get to a medical facility we sponsor her from home with the birth kits that we talked about those kind of things and so we do have options <laughs> because it can be overwhelming so we had then because of that we had to expand our programs so we have many different programs that help many different women in all age ranges and all walks of life. Um, so I'm with 10 children that are high at risk because this is their 10th or 11th pregnancy. Uh, and then, then you're dealing with the first time moms who are at risk for different reasons, those kind of things. And so uh, when the numbers do get overwhelming and, and you wonder what you're going to do and stuff, um, I, I trust in the Lord and rely on him to be in control. And I trust that he's got them in their hands when uh, it's easy to take the burden and put it on myself, especially yeah. as and an you executive are the savior, director. Right, right exactly. Yeah. And I'm not. And um, so it's so easy to take that burden. And so I have to remember to ca keep casting my burden on him. Cast those calls when I just get another call and my heart just breaks for that situation. And we can't be there, you know, immediately. We've done so much um, counseling on the phone. It's amazing just the doors and avenues God has opened. When you have a girl that calls and, you know, she wants to abort or she's suicidal and she's not doing well. And a pastor calls and says, listen, I have this girl at my home and I need you to talk to her now. You know, and so I'm able to put my staff members on the phone and say, you know, you talk to her. I don't care how many hours until we can get there. And so um, it's amazing the different ways God has enabled us to meet needs uh, when we just trust him. And I put it in his control and let him handle it because um, I have to remember who is in control. And it's him, <laughs> not it. me. I love it. He is the Savior, not me. All right. But, yes. you know, I, I, I want to talk to, I just know that God always puts dreams on your heart. And if they are of God, they are something that only he can accomplish. It's not like, you know, it's like if you ask me to uh, to run, like maybe like to the next door over, I can do that. Right. But if you ask me to, to run 20 miles, there's no way, you know, that, that's not going to be in my own strength. Maybe right. I'll catch a ride with a friend and then right. come back, you know, and then be right. like, I ran it. But anyway, um, I digress. So but God does big dreams. So if somebody right now is listening and they say, OK, there is a dream, there is a vision, there is something that God's putting on my heart, um, but there's no way I can do it. What would you say to them right now? Don't limit in your mind what God can do because he is limitless and there is nothing that is impossible with him. Uh, when I started this, it seemed impossible. I mean, it's impossible 
type dream. And it kind of kind of <laughs> was impossible. It was, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, like I said, it wasn't being done there. Not only, um, I had no roadmap at all. I'm not I'm not medically inclined. I, it's a new culture, new language, language barriers. I mean, You're I a, a young single kind of woman. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, all the, all the obstacles. Yes, yes all of them. Um, and so many barriers, so many excuses that I, I could have given and used as an excuse. But God said, it doesn't matter. None of, I will work through those. And God will. And God took each one of them and knocked them down. You know, he brought me uh, staff members that spoke both English and the language to help me you know, translate so I can communicate. And he, uh, oh my good, the overwhelming need of finances. I mean, that, another just overwhelming need. You have this huge vision. You look at the the finances and the monetary need that you have. And God, this is not possible. And that's what I, you know, said in the beginning. He said, Amy, it's possible with me. You can't do it on your own. And again, it just, God wants us dependent on him. So he wants to take us to the end of ourselves, the edge of ourselves, to where we have nothing else within ourselves but to depend on him. You know, Lord, if you don't come through, it's going to fail. And I had a mentor um, in Gainesville, actually, that I meet with. He's the executive director of another organization there. And um, you know, he always told me attempt something, you know, so big for God, so big that if God not be in it, it's doomed to fail. And I said, is that what I'm really willing to do? I attempt something so big that if God is really not in it, it is going to fail, you know, no matter what. And it's hard to look failure in the face and say, I'm going to go towards this and it might you know, fail. God, you're going to have to get me there. And it, again, strengthens our trust. And that's what he wants to do. Grow our faith, strengthen our trust. And he takes us through those situations to do that. And he'll take us through the hard mm-hmm. to get us there. Trust him and, and, and go for it. Follow him. You don't want to say no to him. You don't want to miss out on... Um, the amazingness that God has, you know, in store for us. We don't want to just settle for what's comfortable because sometimes it's in the uncomfortable. That's where the miracles happen. You know, it's getting in those situations of impossibilities. Yeah, I had a um, I had a sweet woman that I met. I'll just give you another brief story <laughs> real quick. You know, I always love them. Bring it. <laughs> um, there was an old woman that I met in one of the villages we were walking through, and um. She was dying. She was starving. She was absolutely emaciated. She was skin and bones. And she had been neglected by her family there um, for many reasons and stigma things. And uh, she was very sick and left in a mud hut by herself and um, was on a old, rotten, filthy pieces of mattress that were just on the floor. Um, she had no clothes. She was just so sick, starving, starving, literally starving before my eyes. And I walked in the house and saw her lying on the ground and I just burst into tears and could not believe she was living in worse conditions than animals. You know, I'd seen my animals at, you know, my father's farm in Oconee County live better than this woman was living. And it just broke my heart. And um, I thought, you know, for sure she wasn't going to make it, was not going to survive. We're going to do our best and everything. But um, it was in seeing that impossible situation and working through that with her. And she was not a believer. And um, it was in being able to share the gospel with her and seeing the transformation, the miracle of salvation. That God just reminded me, Amy, it takes an impossible situation for me to do a miracle. I don't like impossible situations. I don't. I, I like situations I'm watching too. Okay, here's a solution. We can work with this. I can. We can. You know, do something. We can fix this. Here's the step one, two, three of how we're going to get there. Nobody likes going into and seeing an impossible situation and standing there saying, "Well, this is impossible." But God just reminded me in so many um, ways through through that woman and others we've helped in the hospital that, Amy, it, it takes an impossible situation and me taking you into something that's impossible for me to work a miracle. 
And that is when you're going to see it through those impossible situations. Then you're going to see my miracles. And so he's had to change my mentality and change my heart towards those circumstances to where I walk into those not being fearful walk into an impossible situation, feeling overwhelmed and being fearful and scared of what are we going to do and panicking and nowadays walking into them with a calm of, all right, God, I'm expecting you to do a miracle and I'm asking for it because that's the only way exactly that that this is going to happen. It's going to have to be you and it's going to have to be a miracle. Do you know what, what is, what was the rest of the the little girl's story? The woman, she was an older woman. woman. Yeah. Yeah. She was an older woman. Um, she came to accept Christ. We shared the gospel with her. She was so excited to learn. And, um, we would go and read the Bible with her and I visit her as um, often as I could. And she lived for another year after I met her. And, um, we were able to witness to her family through that and her daughter who had neglected her and just a heartbreaking situation. And, um, the whole family was able to hear the gospel and, some accepted, some were still uh, praying through it. Um, but she she lived for another year, and then she uh, went home to be with Jesus after that. But she, at the time she left this earth and went to heaven, she was loved, and she was well cared for, and she was in a bed, and she was had a nice home and was living, yes, in a good situation because her entire life situation had been transformed through this. So anyway, so it's a completely different end to her life. It was completely radically and she died um yes being loved and uh not just loved by us and her family and people in the community who had come around oh it was amazing to see the community support that came around and um joined with us and cleaned her house and you know bought her bed sheets and blankets and clothes and food and just all basic life necessities that she did not have um and so rallied around her and she just yep was a happy wonderful woman when she died went home so i'm looking forward to seeing her one day in perfection (laughs) see now i started this whole conversation promising you that you would love um amy once you got to know her more i know i jumped right into amy i'm so excited to see you (laughs) yes but i wasn't kidding and I know all my <laughs> listeners uh, listening to you just has fallen in love with you and and um, just catching the excitement of what God is doing in this ministry. Yes. So I'm going to put um, a link to your ministry um, in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, because yes. there's a need yes. uh, for people to, to financially give, yes. to support, um, mm-hmm. maybe to come see what God's doing in Uganda. Right. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, you know, take a left turn. COVID turn. is definitely a, pause some things. No, but. I mean, there's pause some things, <laughs> right. That's right? But maybe you know, take a, a little bit of we'll a right see. turn, right? You know, drive, maybe yep. catch a boat. You know, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it's it's a few just thousand miles. miles. It's a few five thousand miles away. <laughs> All right, but um, but God is at work, and and, and I I have been blown away because I you know I check in with you. It seems like every couple of years, and um, to see like wow, like in the past couple of years, there's. There's been a lot of like growth, yes, a lot yes, of changes, yes. and um, and just telling me like, oh no, this is even more. It's even bigger. Even, right. It, it's been a real pleasure to like hear it. And, well, thank you. Um, it's a privilege to get to serve. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Be a part of what God's doing in Uganda because it is amazing and it's exciting. Thank you for being with us for Jules' interview with Amy Washington. You can learn more about Kapendwa Ministry at kapendwaministries.org. That is K-U-P-E-N-D. WAMinistries.org. And you can find the Jewel Show podcast at thejoyfm.com slash jewels and wherever fine podcasts are hosted.